Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, climate and cookies. It's everything that we see outside, and it's statistics and it's processes. You know, it's the atmosphere, it's the ocean, it's the the ice that's floating on the Arctic, it's the ice sheets. You know, the the, the trajectory we're on uh, is putting us on a course for a climate on earth that has not been seen in millions of years the the scope of working for nasa allows you to think about things in a much much broader context than uh than you would you, you'd be able to do in any other setting i want to thank you guys so much for joining us if you get a chance like download subscribe share we really appreciate it it really helps us out this is a really special episode for us and I just want to start it off by saying thank you to everybody who has taken time to listen to the show, the guests that have come on the show, people who have commented. We really appreciate every single one of you. This is our 100th episode, and we definitely got farther than we ever thought that we could, and it's, it's all because of our listeners and our guests. And I just want to say right at the beginning that we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is also a really important episode for us because we're going to be talking about something that is a huge issue now and is going to be a huge issue for the foreseeable future. Climate change. What is going to be happening to our planet and what is happening with our planet right now? Our first guest is the perfect person to talk to about this. This is Dr. Gavin Schmidt. He's a climatologist, a climate modeler, and he is the director of the NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies. When we talk about climate, like I think I know what we're talking about when we, someone says climate, but what are we really talking about? It, 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 it's everything that we see outside and it's statistics and it's processes. You know, it's the atmosphere, it's the ocean, it's the, the ice that's floating on the Arctic, it's the ice sheets, uh, the deep oceans, it's the, the stratosphere and all the things that kind of intersect between all those realms 
conditions uh, to give us the patterns of weather and climate that we kind of understand in a more colloquial sense. Climate is obviously that that's very different than weather, right? So uh, I think people get a little confused about the difference between weather and climate when it comes to forecasting. And uh, and they see the um, the limits to weather forecasting, right? So we can't we can't make good weather forecasts uh, beyond ten days. Certainly not much much beyond that. And uh, and they think, well, you know, but the weather and climate are the same, so we can't make climate forecasts. But but we're trying we're doing something very different when we're making a climate forecast. Uh, what we're doing there is is trying to say how the the average things are going to change how the patterns are going to change not not the specifics of any one storm or or one hurricane or one weather system uh and so uh, the predictability in climate uh comes from a very different place so the, the predictability of climate comes from the fact that you know energy is conserved mass is conserved that we understand radiation uh, in and out of the atmosphere, whereas you know the predictability of weather comes because we can you know we can track you know the, like these big eddies, these big turbulent eddies in the atmosphere uh, from one day to another, which is a very different kind of skill. But they are very related. I mean, we, we don't make climate predictions without including all of the weather uh, inside those uh, those calculations. You talked about all the things that kind of go into into climate. Is there one that influences it more than any of the others? Like this thing has the biggest impact? That doesn't really make much sense to us because the interesting things about the climate are, are the emergent properties uh, of what happens when it gets going. You know, the interactions between the ocean and the ice and the atmosphere, uh, the wave patterns, the, uh, the variations, the El Nino patterns that you see in the Pacific. Uh, all of those things emerge uh, because of the connections between the different realms and the different processes. So, you know, if you take one thing out, then it's a very different system um, and it has different properties. But we're really interested in the properties of the whole system. And it turns out that almost all of the interesting ones uh, are coupled in, in, in various, uh, sometimes subtle ways uh, between all those different elements. So we're recording this towards the end of May right now. What are you kind of seeing in terms of changes related to COVID-19? What kind of an impact is that having? Right. So, so what, what's happening? So basically, uh, a lot of activities that would have taken place are not taking place. Now, some of those activities would have used fossil fuels, right? Uh, driving around in cars, uh, public transport, all of those things have gone way down. Uh, so that means that the uh, that the emissions from those activities have gone down, uh, but also the air pollutants from those activities uh, have gone down. Uh, we're also not doing uh, some things that we would have done otherwise, right? So, for instance, um, in the, this time of year. Uh, quite often in places like California, uh, they do controlled burns of forest areas to try and avoid larger burns later on in the season. 
okay, we're not doing that. Um, so there, there are there are some odd things that are happening in terms of the atmospheric composition and emissions that impact climate uh, and air quality uh, that are quite noticeable right now. Uh, so, for instance, uh, you know, air quality um, has improved, uh, you know, pretty much across the board. Uh, LA, New York, uh, the Northeast, uh, Northern Italy, Europe, China, India have all had huge reductions in the amount of air pollutants, uh, and that's mainly from uh, car driving. Uh, but um, uh, but carbon dioxide emissions, they've gone down a little as well. Um, but the interesting thing there is that uh, carbon dioxide is, is accumulating. So, And we're putting so much more into the atmosphere than the planet can deal with that even you know a 5 10%, 15% reduction in global emissions, uh, it's still the carbon dioxide amount is still going to go up. We seem to be heading a certain direction in terms of climate change. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have oh, what's, yes. has, has what's been going on recently, has can that make like a dent? Is it a reset or is like, does it have any? No, it, it, it's like, it's like you're filling a bath and somebody is like kind of slightly turned down the tap. Uh, but really the bath is still continuing to, to fill. Uh, and what you need to do is turn off the tap completely. Uh, and that's the only way that the tap, that the bath is going to stop rising. So uh, that's a huge task. Um, and uh, I don't think anybody uh, is, is unaware of how difficult a task that's going to be. Uh, and it's a task that needs to be sustained uh, over not just a few months, not just a few years, but for pretty much the rest of the century. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're seeing this decrease uh, this year. Uh, that, that's, that's clear. Um, but to the extent that it helps uh, in any important way is the extent to which any habits that have been uh, ingrained right now uh, stick or that uh, when we kind of restart economic activity that we do so in a way that puts us on a more sustainable path going forward. Uh, and those those issues really very much are still to be determined. When we're talking about climate change kind of as a way for me to understand it, on a scale of like 1 to 10, 1, everything's going to be fine, don't worry about it, 10, kiss your butt goodbye kind of thing, life as we know it is changing forever. Where are we kind of at now? I'd say about an 8. That bad? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the trajectory we're on uh, is putting us on a course for a climate on Earth that has not been seen in millions of years. Right? I mean, that, 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 and and let me let me discuss, you know, how long a period is. Like, so humans have only been around in our kind of modern form for about two hundred thousand years. Um, the uh, the environment in which you know homo sapiens evolved uh you know the the african savannas the ice ages coming and going the endotholes all of those things um you know all of those things have kind of fit in the last you know three million years um uh, where we're going in terms of climate it, it goes back even before that right so uh, it goes back to the Pliocene, maybe even the Miocene, you know, periods 
uh, that were significantly warmer, where there was there was very little ice on the planet, or much less ice on the planet. Um, sea levels were, you know, perhaps 20 meters. Uh, so what's that? 60, 65 feet uh, higher than they are now. Uh, you can still see the paleo uh, shorelines, you know, where where the beaches used to be uh, on the east coast, uh, and there in the middle of New Jersey, not not anywhere near where the present day coast is. So you know that's that's kind of where we're headed, and uh, and only with you know pretty dramatic reductions in in carbon dioxide emissions will we avoid that. Is is this something that we can really solve, or are we just kind of going to treat the the symptoms of the disease and not the disease itself, so to speak? Um. Well. Okay. So you know what what does solve mean? So so we're not going to stop it, but. But it is within our power to slow it down so that, you know, we have time to adapt. Uh, you know, part of what's happening now is that it's changing much faster than uh, civilization has ever had to deal with a climate change before. Um, and that means that uh, it's, you know, it's more of a challenge. You know, it, it's harder to get things moving faster or to adapt when things are moving fast and not stopping right so uh, can we can we ameliorate the problem can we act and reduce the impacts it's going to have absolutely uh are we gonna just make it go away entirely no never how big of an impact does the melting of the of the ice sheets have do we do we kind of fully understand what that could do or are we still kind of figuring that out right so uh, the melting of the ice sheets is is one of the big components in rising sea levels. So uh, sea level is rising because the oceans are getting warmer and they expand. Right, that's about a third of the of the of the situation right now. Uh, we're also melting, you know, mountain glaciers around the world. That's adding to the problem. Um, we're extracting groundwater. That's adding to the problem. But the biggest, uh, you know, about a third of the of the issue right now is melting of Greenland and, and Antarctica. Uh, those are both. Both of those continents are adding water into the oceans uh, at around 250 gigatons of water uh, every uh, every year from from both uh, uh, from both ice sheets. Um, and what we anticipate is, as as the planet gets warmer, that those rates will increase, and so you'll have an, an accelerating uh, impact from the ice sheets on sea level rise. So that's that's a big concern, right? So uh, do we know what it can do? Yes, obviously. I mean, like you know, it, it, I mean, if they all melted, it would be uh, you know, it'd be many you know, maybe a hundred meters of uh, of sea level rise. Now that isn't going to happen anytime soon, thankfully. Um, but there's there's plenty of ice and there's plenty of opportunity opportunity for that to do major damage to coastal infrastructure around the world. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, do we know everything about how the specific ice sheets and the ice ocean cavities and the, and the dynamics of ice sheets uh, are all kind of interacting to produce that result? No, we don't. Uh, so we're spending a lot of time trying to understand those projects, those, those processes better. We're spending a lot of time and effort and money uh, on measuring those processes, you know, that, and that's sending, you know, unmanned uh, autonomous vehicles underneath the ice sheets, underneath the ice shelves to see what's going on. Uh, it's flying over the ice shells and ice sheets to see how the height is changing. Uh, it's measuring the velocity of these things from space, seeing how um, you know the 
mass of these uh, ice sheets is changing uh, from gravity measurements in space. Uh, so we're, 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 we're studying this enormously hard, uh, but, but there, are, there are still a lot of unknowns. Whether they're cities, countries, organizations, anything like that, because obviously there's going to be, like you kind of talked about, winners and losers. Is there anybody that's kind of advocating for this, like trying to actively stop people from stopping climate change? Well, yeah, they're not generally, you know, people as you would understand them, but they are, you know, uh, people who are very invested in the resource industry uh, and the countries that are uh, benefit enormously from the resource industry. Um, and they just want to sell their product and uh, the climate be damned. Um, it's very short term thinking. Uh, it's, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously there are, uh, there are administrations and countries that, uh, that are doing that. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's also a lot of pushback against that, uh, because there are people that do have a longer term horizon, uh, that can see where things are going. And, you know, this notion of, uh, you know, having an economy in a situation where, you know, sea level is rising out of control, um, that doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of people. How did you How did you get into studying this? Uh, slightly, slightly by accident. I was uh, I was a math major uh, in college. Uh, I started doing applied maths, uh, working to on on kind of uh, you know uh, relatively simple um, uh, ocean models of, of various sorts, uh, and then uh, you know, and I've kind of gravitated to uh, more and more complicated, more and more realistic. Um, uh, issues where you know you don't get an exact answer, but you do get an answer that's much closer to the question that you really want to have answered. Are there some specific areas that w- that are really in trouble when we talk about climate change? Uh, yeah, but it, it depends a little bit where you are. I mean, so places that are uh, kind of Mediterranean climates where it's still pretty arid, uh, they're generally going to get drier, and so that's going to be a problem for them and their water resources. Uh, people that rely on uh, mountain snow for water resources, okay, well, that's going away, so now you're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, kind of earlier spring melts and, and drier summers. Uh, that has implications for wildfires if you're in, a, in an area that's prone to wildfires. Uh, you know, if you're in the far north, uh, then, you know, you have to worry about permafrost melts and you have to worry about infrastructure that... Um, uh, that relies on the frozen ground, you know, like the ice, the ice roads to go to uh, to uh, uh, to the north coast of Alaska. You know, uh, th- those are much less possible now than they used to be. Um, but if you know, you know, if you're a cruise ship owner and you want to do the Northwest Passage through the Arctic, well, now you've got far more opportunities to do so. Though I wouldn't recommend it uh, for 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 various reasons. I got distracted a little bit by my three-year-old. We, did we talk about ways that we can kind of reduce it? Have we covered that? I'm blanking for some reason all of a sudden. Uh, no, well, we, we, we didn't discuss it, but, but the answer is not uh, difficult, right? The answer is we have to reduce emissions, uh, and we have to reduce emissions of carbon dioxide for the most part, but also methane and nitrous oxides. Now, um, you know, reducing uh, carbon dioxide emissions means – you know, no more fossil fuel. So no more coal, no more oil, no more natural gas. Uh, and replacing those uh, energy infrastructures with something else, uh, whether that's co- uh, solar or wind or um, 
combinations or nuclear power or uh, geothermal or better efficiency so we don't need the energy in the first place. Uh, all of those can play a role in, uh, in moving us away from uh, fossil fuels. Now, there's, there's, there's one additional thing that you could be doing, which is capturing the carbon emissions and burying it uh, somewhere. So theoretically, that works. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's one of those solutions that really only works when you have a, uh, a price on putting carbon into the air uh, so that it makes it worthwhile to not do so for the companies involved. Um, and uh, we are a long way from uh, having such a market in the U.S. Do you have a couple more minutes for some listener questions? Like, let me warn you ahead of time. Our our audience is very nice. They're very smart. They're a little bit quirky. <laughs> They're, so some of the some of the questions are a little interesting. Um, no, no, far away. This first one is best movie where a scientist warns people of a disaster and no one listens. <laughs> like every single science, every single movie with a scientist. Like that's their that's their stock role, um, you know. Whether it's Jurassic Park, Day After Tomorrow, Jaws, uh, um, the Dante's Peak. I mean, like it's a stock role. So anytime you see a scientist on a on a TV show, oh, you know they're going to be the ones that are telling people what's going to happen, and nobody's going to believe them for dramatic effect. So. You know, we 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 play that role on on, on TV a lot, um, and you'd think people would get it by now. What what is that like for for you or other scientists when you're kind of telling somebody about something that's a real problem and they just push it aside? Does that get just incredibly frustrating? Like, how do you keep doing that over and over and over again? So, I mean, sometimes you know, people that, uh, who are arguing in bad faith, you know, it's just a waste of time, right? So, uh, so I tend to try and avoid that. Other times, you know, there are really genuine questions uh, behind uh, that stance uh, or behind, you know, comments that people make, and and sometimes those are worth kind of going into in detail. You know, why why do we think uh, that these that we have confidence in these predictions you know uh, how do we tell these things you know what is the difference between weather and climate why can we do these predictions uh, out longer I mean those are those are real questions and you know for people that haven't thought about it very much uh, you know I'm happy to to explain these things um, and you know and sometimes uh, you know you can get feedback and and uh, you know, and, and questions that, that seem sensible to somebody and you think, oh, well, actually, we've, we've never really answered that in, in, in that particular way. So, you know, that kind of leads you down a, a kind of more productive path. And, and, you know, quite a lot of my uh, research work and, and, uh, and outreach has been in answering questions that the community as a whole hasn't really answered to people's satisfaction. So there's, there's, there's uh, you know, you, you have to listen as opposed to just be talking. Um, and, and that makes the whole communication thing kind of more interesting. This might get a little bit more into weather than climate, so to speak. But best, where do you think has the best weather slash climate in the world? <laughs> Yeah, New Zealand's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, they do look really good, don't they? There's one that just says, how long before we're doomed? Well, I, that's an odd thing to ask in the middle of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like, we're not, we're not doomed, you know. 
the future is created by the choices that we're making today. And uh, while there are still sensible people who have, you know, decisions to make that can make things better or make things worse, uh, and there's still enough people, you know, making decisions that are pushing us in a better direction, then, uh, you know, then that's, that's, that's positive. And we're never going to be not in that situation. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the, the oh, we're doomed, like just might as well party uh, type of attitude. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're doomed. Uh, I think we just have to make better decisions. This, these, these two kind of go together a little bit. Coolest thing about working for NASA, has there ever been a moment where you were just working like, wow, that's really cool? <laughs> Um, so yes, okay. So uh, it, let me let me betray my my slightly geeky uh, side. Uh, working for NASA is indeed uh, quite cool. Um, you know, I've interacted with uh, with astronauts. I've interacted with people who've designed like the most amazing machines. Uh, we've uh, you know we we we're on the receiving end of of reams of, of data that show us things that that we never even dreamt were possible, let alone that we would actually see. Um, and the, the scope of working for NASA allows you to think about things in a much, much broader context than, uh, than you would, you, you'd be able to do in any other setting. You know, I mean, I've, I've written papers about, uh, the possibility of, of ancient terrestrial civilizations and whether we'd know that they existed, uh, in the geological record. I've worked with people who are thinking about, uh, how habitable Venus was uh, until actually relatively uh, recently in uh, solar system history. I'm working with people uh, who are trying to work out what the techno signatures of, a, of an alien civilization around a planet, on a planet around another star, uh, would look like. Uh, and I'm working on, you know, trying to see where what we're doing to the climate uh, fits into all of those things. And so, you know, that's that's uh, that's an enormous range of, uh, of, of, of intellectual um, interest and, 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 and joy um, that, that we can do these things. So, uh, yeah, I love working for NASA. Do you guys, I mean, do you study, like, if we had to go to another planet, what planet would be suitable for us? Like, do you guys look at the climate on other ones? <laughs> yeah, so so we're not going to, I mean, like, the, the costs of getting off Earth are just ex extortionate. So there's no, we're not all moving to another planet. Uh, it's much, much better to fix the one that we're on. You know, we're interested in about habitability of Mars and Venus and, and all of these other planets that we're seeing, uh, but none of them are as habitable as this one right here. I, I always kind of felt like those persons suits like looking for how we can move to another planet would be like mowing the yard while the house is on fire kind of a thing <laughs> well no it's 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 like designing a lawnmower uh, for a for a lawn that doesn't exist while the house is on fire <laughs> yeah um is there anything that we should be talking about that 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 maybe i haven't covered or anything like that like you know i mean the, the technology that we're putting together to see what's going on is extremely cool Right, so if you're interested in cool technologies, then look, look into that. Um, but you know, this technology, our understanding doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It, it, it exists 
you know, in the context of, you know, how society works, how society functions, you know, the iniquities in society, you know, who benefits, who loses, uh, who, who gets impacted and who doesn't get impacted. And we're seeing that writ large with the pandemic. You know, uh, when, when a stress comes along, you know, society fractures along the fault lines that already existed. Uh, and so if you're interested in, you know, how society is going to cope, look at what's happening with the pandemic. Look who's, who's being served. Look who uh, is stuck. Look who is getting uh, services. Look who is getting, uh, you know, who, 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 you know where, where the suffering is most. And, and it tells you that we have a long, long way to go uh, in, in terms of, you know, fixing society and fixing the way things work uh, to, uh, to to deal with with stresses like the pandemic or like climate change. I want to thank Dr. Smith so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we have also included his information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. I think it's impossible to say enough about just how important dealing with climate change is going to be for all of us moving forward. The other thing that I want to talk about is we're recording this episode and it's coming out on June 3rd, 2020. There is a lot going on. There's protests that are happening all over the country. COVID-19 is still a major, major problem that we have to deal with. And I don't want people to think that John and I are avoiding the topics here. We're both just of the opinion that if you don't really have something super intelligent to say, you should just listen. That said, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello? Do you have anything intelligent to say about what's going on right now? Let's see something intelligent. Well, I, I am all for uh, I am I am for protesting a hundred percent, but I am not for the violence that comes with it. Not that that's anything intelligent, but uh, that's just my take on it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not I'm just not for you know, and I, I don't I I don't participate in the protesting, so I'm not out there to actually know if it's outsiders or, or, or groups come in to spark the violence. You know, I, I'm only going by what the police are telling us. Uh, but but that's not cool, man. I'm, I'm not for, for that at all. So It seems to be that there's people out there protesting, which I think is a fantastic thing. But then you've got a couple of people that just want to start some shit. And I think that that undermines the overall message, which shouldn't be happening. And I don't think that the people who are out there protesting are the ones who are doing it. It's people like sitting at home, like I'm just going to go start some shit, and that's who's doing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I live in the Detroit area, and I, I, I wonder, you know, we record these on Mondays, and, and the city had a press conference today, basically saying that 80 percent of the people that were arrested over the weekend for looting and, and violent activity, 80 percent of them weren't from the city. They weren't, you know, they weren't protesting anything. They were just there to cause violence, and. I, I mean, I, I give them credit for putting those numbers out there because I think that really puts a face on, you know, just just the the kind of people that are coming to cause the problems aren't the people that are are there to, to protest and get the, you know, 
the rightful message out, I guess. Well, I think that there's people that have been appalled by what's going on and they feel the need to protest and they go out there. And I totally 100% support those people. But I think that there's also people that have just been waiting for something like this, just waiting for an excuse. I don't think that those people should be supported at all. Like if you're just going out there looking to do something, then that's not okay. Uh, I understand the anger, uh, you know, but you shouldn't you shouldn't want to to protest like that. And I, I just think it's it's not a good thing. And and luckily so far, knock on wood, Detroit's been pretty peaceful in terms of what's happening around the country. But it's it's a boiling pot, you know. It's or a melting pot, not a boiling pot. Okay, let me ask you this question. If people are talking about let's let's move away from this a little bit. But if people sure. are talking about something that's controversial, are you going to try to chime in or do you try to like duck under the desk? Um so you're not you're not going to believe this, but uh, I don't I don't duck away, but a lot of times I don't like to get involved because I feel what I'm going to say is either going to come across as ignorant or I'm just not educated enough on the subject. And I know it's usually all opinions. And no one's really that educated on it, but I never want to be that person that stands up and like gives my opinion and then realizes that like I just sounded like a complete jackass. Yeah, that's basically my strategy too. Is like I'm gonna try to just hide a little bit and hope no one asks me a question. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I loved trolling the shit out of people in terms like for sports things and funny things and other things, not really political aspects but now that i get older like i kind of hate trolls like i i really have no respect for somebody that just trolls people i like to troll companies i don't mind trolling companies online just because most of the crap that they do is so fucking stupid that i can't resist it but i don't generally like respond back to people not on, not online at least that's that's like you're never winning that fucking fight and i'm certainly not responding to somebody that doesn't have their actual picture on there I feel like I'm an ex-troll almost because I used to troll my friends for certain things and they would do it back. But now looking at it, you know, a little bit older, not wiser, but a little bit older, it's like, wow, I was kind of a douchebag. Do you think that you're actually smarter than you were a couple of years ago? Do you feel like you've learned anything in your life? (laughs) Uh, Learned? I don't know. I don't know if I've learned things. I, I think... And I don't know if why being more wise is like the right thought process. I, I just think like you're more aware of of situations, if that makes any sense. Kind of sounds like a no. I, 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 hear- I guess I'd have to go with a no. I, I don't think I'm any smarter. I think maybe I'm just more situationally aware of my surroundings. I can understand that kind of in the sense like you're in a situation, younger you might have actually said something, older you still thinks the same thing but just doesn't actually say it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like this conversation, I, I want to say a million things. Look, this is way too deep of a topic. What are you? Do you have your? Do you have your stuff? Are you ready to go? <laughs> Give me. Listen, I thought we were, we were going well. Like I feel like we actually sounded like we were half educated men there for a second. But we'll we'll go to the to the stuff that makes us sound. You know, after after the shout outs, the stuff that makes us sound really educated. Give me, smart. give me your stupidest opinion about either about anything that is currently going on as of we're <laughs> recording this in the beginning of June. Give me your absolute stupidest uh, opinion. Uh, okay. 
And bear in mind, before he, before anybody listening to this, before he says this, he completely acknowledges that it is a stupid opinion. Yeah, actually, I do. And I don't want to say this, but you know what? I will because I with the, with the SpaceX NASA, NASA launch on Saturday, um, as it was sitting there, uh, you know, and they counted down, uh, I was watching CNN, not any political affiliation, just happened to be on. For some reason, there was a glitch. And it was like 1918, and then the rocket, like they showed the rocket up, like it, it was already probably you know 10 seconds into launch. And I looked at my wife and I go, "Do you think this is fake?" Just yeah. because there was one glitch in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's probably the stupidest thing I've said or thought um, all you know uh, all spring, let alone just the past couple days. Wow! All right, so fake rocket launch. And you, all right, let's, let's, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I believe it. Of course, I believe it. But I, you know, there's a lot of a lot of literature out there that that proves, you know, our our space thing or our space uh, endeavors from the past as possible falsities. I don't know. Is there really a lot of literature? Because I, there really <laughs> fucking is it. Conspiracy and trollers. You're right. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of literature. Any idiot can write anything. It doesn't mean that it's anywhere near being true. God damn it, I just became a troll, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on. All right, let's get some shout-outs here. Uh, appreciate everyone checking us out as usual. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know where we're at. Uh, so appreciate you listening and checking us out. Uh, Adam Foster, John, Robert Russo, Cody, uh, Allie, Katie, Shelly, Adam Deprem, Stephanie, and Derek. Appreciate everyone uh, taking the time to comment, to like, subscribe, whatever uh, whatever you do to, to make Nick and I feel special. All right, Nick, so uh, this is a little different. I'm going to start off with a uh, – not not like a you have to choose one, but I, I'm curious to know what, what, you would, what you would become. So the, the question is if you were a transformer, what kind of vehicle would you be? Oh, I'd be – I'd want to be like a jet. I'd want to fly around. Like Starscream? Starscream always seemed to get his ass whipped eventually. Like, I wouldn't want to be Starscream. Didn't Soundwave? Wasn't Soundwave? Didn't he transform into something cool? I, I, I don't know. I thought you would be proud of me for knowing uh, Starscream. Well, he was in like 16 movies, man. He's one of the main <laughs> characters in the Transformers. Everybody basically knows Optimus Prime, Megatron, and then Starscream is really probably the third most prominent Transformer. I, I think there's like seven movies made. Are any of them worth worth watching? Not in hindsight, but the first one was kind of like, all right, that's kind of cool. Just to see how they were going to do it, that was interesting. But none of them were good movies. For sure. I I thought that the uh, the first two were okay, and then after that, I'm not really sure what happened to the series. Yeah, it got pretty bad. <laughs> what would you? What are you going to be? You'd probably be something stupid. Well, you know, I think you go with like your personality or like your body type. So for you being a jet makes sense. So for me, I would probably go with like a, a submarine or like a like a tank. I could see you or that like a cement mixer. <laughs> uh, I could absolutely tank, uh, but okay. God, I could see you as a cement mixer. That's perfect. <laughs> You know, I, I look more like a cement mixer every day, uh, more square and uh, bulky every day, it seems. I don't know. 
I don't know how, but but it's happening. I feel like if you were a Pokemon, you'd be Bulbasaur. <laughs> oh, for people who don't know Pokemon, he's basically a big green plant. Uh who actually turns out to be pretty badass. But Does he? That's fine. Does he? I think I'd be the water guy, the um, uh, Squirtle. Okay, well, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Wow, this episode has gone uh, all left and right, up and down. Um, I know you're not the biggest fast food guy, but uh, Big Mac or Whopper? You know, I don't think I've ever actually had a Big Mac. Wow, I was always were... a- I was always a quarter, I would I was always go with a quarter pounder with cheese. I don't know why you would take Big Mac over quarter pounder with cheese. A quarter pounder with cheese is delicious. That's a better burger. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I've ever. I can't recall ever having a quarter pounder, so I can't comment. I guess on it. I don't know what's the Big Mac. The Big Mac is basically just a quarter pounder, isn't it? Is there any difference? Uh, well, yeah. I think there's. I think that's the the total beef. But like you know, you get the the. The three patty or the two patties, the three buns, the special sauce. Is that what a Big Mac is? It has the extra bun in there. Yeah, and the yeah. Oh, the double quarter <laughs> pounder. Maybe I went double quarter pounder. I did. I mean, I've had that a few times. Of course, I have. I've also had a baconator in my life. Which I was probably why I'm not going to live very long. But it's mm, fine. No, you've got ten years left tops. <laughs> That's why my wife is pushing to get, you know, for us to up our life insurance policy, I know. You legitimately probably have only 10 years left. I mean, really, <laughs> honestly, you got to do something about your health. All right, move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, say say it's late, you're late at work, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and you you haven't had dinner, so you go to the, the, the work vending machine. What are you getting, an egg salad sandwich or a tuna salad sandwich? Oh, those are – anything that has the word salad and sandwich in it, should not fucking exist. Tuna salad, egg salad, macaroni salad, any of that kind of crap should be banned from the face of the earth. And the idea that somebody would put a tuna salad or an egg salad in a vending machine and just leave it there till God knows when, you're just asking to get food poisoning. You, you, should, deser- you should deserve it. They should actually inject food poisoning into those things so that you get it and learn a fucking lesson. I remember, <laughs> I gotta tell the story now. I was at an, uh, another station in town here. I first start. I just started out, and a, a, a person went and got a sandwich. They brought it back, and he unpeels the plastic wrapper, and he takes it out. And the bottom bun of the sandwich was so waterlogged and soggy that it fell apart. Like while he was holding it at the top of the sandwich, did he eat it? Yeah, of course he ate it. How big of a and boy? I, how big how was big he? What? How was he over two fifty plus? No, he he actually was like an in shape guy. He just he worked the early morning shift, the morning news shift, and uh, I guess he was just hungry. He ate several of those sandwiches. That's disgusting. If you get like, look, you deserve what you get. If you're gonna do that, you deserve what you get. All right, let's get into the intellectual smart conversation then, and talk about the top five kinds of cookies. What do you got? <laughs> so uh, you're going to notice a theme here uh, with mine, and it's probably not surprising. But uh, at number five, I'm going Oreo cookies. Well, okay. Wait a minute. Are you just doing like brands of cookies like Oreo cookie, Nestle cookie? Or are you doing like different things like oatmeal raisin, sugar? What are you doing? 
intertwined like both. I, I don't have really one nor the other. I just kind of put my top cookie list together. Okay. Well, no planning and no foresight and no thoughtfulness into this whatsoever, which is generally par for the course. So let's just let's move on. Oreo cookie. <laughs> What's wrong with Oreo cookie? Why are you hating? Is I'm not funny? hating on Oreo cookie. I'm saying that that's a, that's a brand of a cookie and not necessarily a flavor, right? Like people don't go home and make Oreo cookies. I mean, Fuck, I, guess I, just, true. I just realized that I have Oreo as my number four. <laughs> <laughs> you douchebag. What's your number five? Technically, it's actually sandwich cookie. A sandwich cookie I will accept. But if you're going to say Oreo, are you going to go sandwich cookie? Or do you have Oreo I mean, cookie and sandwich cookie on there? No, no. So I guess I guess we'll go with uh, sandwich cookie as my number five. Okay, I have fortune. <laughs> Wow. I didn't even think about um, the, the fortune cookie. I don't think I would have put it on my list anyways. Fortune cookie is a good cookie because that's not just a flavor experience. That's like a life experience. You're going to seriously tell me you don't look forward to getting a fortune cookie? Feel a little uh, bit special when you open that up? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm indifferent. I, I am curious, what's the proper way that you eat a fortune cookie? Do you Take the fortune out, eat the cookie, then look at the fortune, or you just go on for it all at once, like eat the cookie and look at the fortune. I'm well, what I understand is that proper protocol in eating a fortune cookie is to break it and not look or touch the paper. You're like supposed to like let the paper hit the ground. You're not supposed to look at it. You're not supposed to read it. You're supposed to eat the whole cookie and then you read the fortune. Otherwise, it doesn't come true. That's the way that I've always been raised. Have you ever gotten a fortune that's actually been worth a damn? All of them are generic crap. <laughs> but they've all basically come true because of the proper way to eat the fortune cookie. I once got one that said, uh, if you participate in athletics, your dreams will come true. Well, I mean, look, it didn't say that your athletic dreams would come true. That could <laughs> technically be correct in another way. Like, it didn't say which dream. You just need to do some sports, and then maybe your dream of—I don't know—I don't, I don't know. What is your dream? What is what would you say is your dream? I'm living it. I'm living the dream. I got a good job, family I love. I'm just missing the white picket fence. Oh, why's it got to be a white fence? Fucking racist. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, my number four. Before you, we go down that path. Um, uh, what did I do with my list? There it is. Uh, I have shortbread cookies. I'm not really entirely sure what that is. Is that that crap you get on planes? <laughs> uh, I a mean, biscotti. Uh, I, I mean, that's 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 like a, a for like you ever have like a Lorna Dune? No. No. Okay. Uh, that's a very popular brand of shortbread cookies. Oh, um, is it? <laughs> I mean, I think it is. There, were, I always had them. Uh, or, How you spell it? L O R N A D O O N E Lorna Dune. Oh, she's a there's a novel. Oh, there it is, Lorna Dune Cookie. A Romance of Exmoor is a novel by English author Richard Doddridge Blackmore. What a fucking name! I have no idea what Richard you're referring to. Doddridge Blackmore wrote the book Lorna Dune. <laughs> so is it named after the cookie? Is the book named after the cookie? Is the cookie named after the book? Well, I don't know. Uh, listen, I have no idea. Can you, your number four is Oreos. Do you have anything else to say about Oreos? 
Lorna Dune is on audiobook if anybody wants to check it out. Even the internet's confused. He's got they're a, good cookies. I think. Oh, those are. Too, I just so. looked. I just looked at him, dude. That's a fucking hard pass. That's a hard pass on a cookie. <laughs> I don't know why you're upset. I think shortbread is arguably the most underrated kind of cookie. Like people look at the look at the, the that kind of cookie, and they always go, "Oh, that cookie sucks." Until you're wanting some fucking food at three a.m. and all you have are shortbread cookies, and then they're best cookies ever. See, I would say the most underrated cookie is the sugar cookie. I'm not going to go ahead and play a shortbread cookie above a sugar cookie. That's ridiculous. I'm, I, don't, I don't have sugar cookie on my list. I don't have it either, but I don't have this Lorna Dune crap. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a brand of the shortbread cookies. You said it was the greatest brand of shortbread cookies. To, to me it is, yes. I, I, I'm always going Lorna Dune, but that's just a brand of shortbread cookies. Do you, have you chosen other brands of shortbread cookies? Have you sampled all the various brands, or are you just a Lorna Dune man from the very beginning? <laughs> I mean, I've had a few different kinds. You know, you get you get those tins at Christmas. Oh, like maybe that. is that what that is? I pat that's the last cookie I'm eating. <laughs> Anyways, I think Keebler makes like a shortbread cookie as well. Okay, who gives a shit? Let, let's just let's <laughs> just move on. Am I going to my number three, or are you going to tell us how great sandwich cookies are? No, I mean they're great. Nobody needs to know. Everybody already already knows. What's your number three? Peanut butter cookies. Okay, I I can understand it. I can understand somebody putting peanut butter up there. I, I have chocolate. Just like chocolate cookies. Yeah, chocolate cookies. Is it chocolate? <laughs> then yeah, it's a good cookie. <laughs> oh, all right. You know, at least you don't have macaroons on on your list. And if you do, I'm not never talking to you again. I'm not sure what a macaroon is. It's uh, how do you explain it? It's it's they're like different colors, and like the middle is like this really it, bullshit. Like it's it's supposed to be cream, but it tastes like horses shit. It's just, it's not good. First macaroons of all, are not good. I will fight that to the very end. Is it that much different than the than the black and white cookie? Like the half black, half white cookie? Um, uh, I'm not entirely sure. What you're referring to, but, um... The black and white cookie. There's a black and white cookie. Half of it is black, half of it is white. I don't know if I've ever had a black or white cookie. Wow. Okay. All right. I don't don't know what happened to this list. I felt pretty positive coming into it, and you just uh, ruined everything that that I've thought about. Um, Okay. What's your number three? Did we go over your number three? Yeah, dude. I said chocolate. And then you went on this fucking rant about macaroni. I apologize, but not really for my uh, for my rant. So th- this is going to be the one that gets all, me all the hate, okay? My number two is gingerbread cookies. I don't think I, I can understand. To me, gingerbread cookies in some ways are like the fortune cookie and that there's a little bit of an experience that kind of goes along with it, like people eat gingerbread around Christmas and stuff like that. But I don't think it's actually a good cookie. Like, nobody oh, wants, man. ooh, man, let's get a good gingerbread in the middle of summer. I I love them. But then again, I I like I like things that have a, uh, like a, like a cinnamony, like, taste. And gingerbread, you know, with the ginger and the cinnamon, oh, it's, it's, uh, you get a good cookie, a good ginger, like, gingerbread cookie. Oh, I'm, I'm down for the kind. I'll go through a whole box in 10 minutes. 
Okay, my number two is chocolate chocolate chip. So a chocolate cookie with chocolate chips in it. Okay, that's double the chocolate, double the fun. Yeah, what's your number one? I mean, I think it's universal. Uh, I have chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, chocolate chip is number one. That's not even really a discussion. I mean, every especially. Okay, wait a minute. Do you want when when do you want to have your cookie? Right out of the oven, like when it's room temperature. Do you want to make it cold? When are you going to eat the cookie? My <laughs> my ideal cooking cookie eating time would be probably five to ten minutes after it's come out of the oven, uh, with like a, a glass of milk. Really? You are I'm a, you? I'm are a you total gonna, dunker. Total dunker. How much of the cookie do you dunk in? Do you try to get as much of the cookie in each dunk? Like, are you just dibbling the little part you're going to eat? Or are you going to go whole cookie as much as you possibly can every time you dunk it? I, I do as much as I can. I'm I'm such a fat kid that like I'll break it in half sometimes into fours if I have to. That way I can get the whole piece dunked at one time. Why don't you just get a bigger, like a wider glass? Well, that's that's what smart, educated people would do. I, I am not one of those. What are you getting? Like one of those narrow little glass things that they show in commercials that nobody can do anything with? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I will tell you this, that you kind of changed my life a little bit. Uh, a while back on this podcast, you told me um, – about doing the dishes and how you always put the glasses down. Well, I was always a glasses up kind of guy. What? And now I don't put the glasses up anymore because you got me freaked out, worried about fucking spiders and shit. Wait a minute. You put the glasses up in the dishwasher? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. A- after they're washed in the cupboard, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. like, dude, how many times did they fill with water before you figured out you're doing it the wrong way? I'm sorry. <laughs> I totally fucked that up. Uh, let's restart that. You changed my life uh, a while ago on the podcast, uh, unbeknownst to me, because when I do the dishes now and I take them on, put them in the cupboard, I put them, you know, upside down instead of, you know, right side up, which I had always done. Because now you have me worried there's going to be like spiders and shit in the glass when I go to grab it. Yeah, dude, you've probably drank like 20 spiders in your life. Or at least an incredible amount of like mouse poop. Think of all like the crap that you've probably drank. From leaving the glasses pointed up instead of putting him down like every other normal person in the world. What's in your honorable mention? Uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really have much. Um, I mean, I, I put down oatmeal raisin snickerdoodle. I, I also put down because um, I didn't know like if we were classifying the cookies as themselves or as like a as a certain brand. So I put down Girl Scout cookies. I think I, I've always felt that Girl Scout cookies are incredibly overrated. I don't really think they're that good. I'm going to go Otis Spunkmeyer and think that's his name, which if you think about it, is a terrible name for a fucking cookie to call it Spunkmeyer. But <laughs> I mean, nobody, why are we eating cookies called Otis Spunkmeyer? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why do we do anything? There's some really stupid ass names for, for products out there and we just buy them like they're crazy. Is it really Spunkmeyer? It is fucking Spunkmeyer. Why would you not change that name of like Obviously, everybody knows what spunk is, right? Like, that's jizz for people who don't realize it. You're basically eating – think about this. If the name of the cookie is Otis Jizzmeyer. Would you <laughs> – are you buying that? <laughs> I, I, I'm probably not, but I know there's thousands of people that would. Sure. 
Um, let's see. I don't. I mean, sugar cookie is an honorable mention. I don't care about gingerbread. I don't care about snickerdoodle. I don't look oatmeal raisin. Sorry to our boy Nate, but that's fucking garbage. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it's garbage. I'm, I'm just not. You know, it's. Go- I'm not going to eat it unless I like. It's there by itself. It's probably the healthiest cookie though. He's got oatmeal and raisins. It's probably the healthiest cookie form, I would have to say. <laughs> I mean, if you can say there are any kind of cookies that are healthy. Uh, that's all I got. Are you, what, what do you want to say to the people? This is our 100th episode. Say something really smart and positive. I, I'm not. I, I'm going to give a heartfelt thank you. I'm not oh, going to be so a jackass. boring. I, listen, I, I appreciate. I can't believe it's been 100 <laughs> episodes already. For for the fact that I've I've literally talked to you every week for for however many uh, you know episodes or weeks that's been hundred weeks. Well, technically, because you had a kid and couldn't make it, you've only done ninety eight episodes. <laughs> but you know, I mean, listen, I I hope people enjoy it, especially with the way the world is now and the way it's been and the way it's gonna go. I just hope we make people laugh, man. That's that's the only reason I do it. I mean. Why, why else would we do it? I, I don't really like talking to you. Um, so I'm really here for the people. Kind of rude. I was going to say the best part is talking to my friend. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely not. I, I, I can't stand you. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that Long John Silvers gives us that stipend every uh, three months. That's all I can say. Well, I'm going to confess this to you right now. That one time after we sent something to them or we shouted at them out, they sent me a $10 gift card and I didn't fucking share it with you. <laughs> <laughs> and we both know you didn't use it either. No, I didn't use it. I haven't used it yet. Shout out to Long John Silvers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say seriously, it, it's. A I already great, stopped it. I already stopped recording. Oh, okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We love hearing the comments. Thank you for. Thanks for helping us get to 100. I'm kind of emotional. If I wasn't dead inside, I would probably cry. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.